0: For our sponsor, Dog Overboard Adamstown, the fun and healthy
1: place for dogs. Pet Chat on your pet friendly radio station 2 nurfm 103.7 Are
2: you laughing at me Dr Kimberly Earl maybe just a little You wouldn't be the first <laughs> Welcome everyone we are talking Pet Chat yes mm-hmm. Kimberly Earl is in here we've also got Cheryl Shaw but Kimberly we need to say a shout out a big hello to someone very
1: special that's listening via our app today please tell us uh, well my mom is listening in Canada again she's a fairly frequent listener whenever I'm on as long as I remember to tell her so if she's listening from Canada We've given her a little wave and a little shout out and Aww. hopefully it's a nice day there. Hello,
0: Kimberly's mum, Heidi. And Cheryl, we're looking at an unusual pet today, goats. Goats, yes, they're very popular. So we'll be finding out how to keep them nice and healthy. Beautiful. And today we've got uh, we've got Taneel on the line to chat to us about that. Hello, Taneel, Welcome to the show. Thanks. Hey, how are you? Look, Taneel, goats are very uh, trendy at the moment. What's the story <laughs> with that?
3: Well, I sort of got interested in goats from a lot of things that I'd seen on social media. Uh, a lot of videos and things like that with YouTube links. So, they look pretty cute and, and they certainly are and they do make great pets.
0: I, I did notice too on Facebook to that, um, they often dress these little baby goats in pyjamas. <laughs>
3: Yes, I know. When when my two were um, quite young, we did actually dress them in uh, little coats and things like that because they tend to really feel the cold when they're young, and I guess they're away from their mum. So I did do a little bit of dressing up of my goats. But now that they're old and have their coat, they they certainly don't don't need any of that anymore.
0: So keeping them as pets, Tennille, what are they like as a pets? What's their personality? Their nature?
3: Well, they're they're like a dog. They've got their own unique personality. Um, so I I have the two, um, Barry and Butler and each of them have their own unique personality. So they're they're fairly affectionate but they don't need to sort of sit on your lap or anything like that. That's um good very that entertaining. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they do try, I'll be honest. The hooves are not as nice as the paws on the lap uh like a cat or a dog but um yeah they're they're really great pets they're um very entertaining i'll say that much
0: <laughs> when when you're considering get or someone's considering getting a pet um goat what should they look for what what sort of things would be recommended to search
3: well look i'd, I'd just do your research because there's there's nothing worse than people getting a pet that's not compatible with their lifestyle and and um the pet being unhappy as a result so uh, our goats have quite a lot of room so uh, a lot of room to move around and from doing the research that i did uh they don't like to be a pet that's on their own uh they prefer to be with an, another goat um, okay so possible, they're quite but...
0: social in that aspect then
3: yeah, I think because of the type of animal that they are, like being a herd animal, they like to be with other animals. But I've heard people have them with horses and things like that. Okay. Um, so yeah, to keep the horses company. So I, I'm not, I'm not an expert by any means, but I just suggest that people do their research on, on keeping them and maintaining them to make sure that their pets are happy.
0: And what about housing? What sort of things should you consider with housing for them? <laughs>
3: Ours like to... Well, ours actually have my niece's old cubby house, which is two-storey, and they love that because they can get in out of the weather and be up nice and high. They tend to like being up nice and high. Um, so, yeah, definitely somewhere that they can get out of the weather and escape to because they do... I do notice that our two are a little bit anxious with, like, loud bangs and things like that, um, so they do like to have somewhere to retreat to.
2: So how do they go in the city then? Are they, you know, are um, they noisy? And obviously, they respond to other noises as well. So, how does that sort of m- mesh yeah, together? Um,
3: well, they're kept. So, um, I, I'm not sure how they would go keeping them in the city. But ours are not noisy um, unless they see you coming with the food or something, uh. and then they <laughs> tend to bleat. Or if you. Um, are walking away and, and they want you to stay there, they tend to make a bit of noise, but I wouldn't say that they make um, consistent noise during okay. the day
0: yeah, just saying yeah. about feeding when you're bringing their food to them. what do they require? what's their diet? So we
3: give them uh, a combination of it's like a um, it's like a mix that we get at the produce center and just a few pellets. Um, upon doing a bit of research and speaking to other people that own goats, we limit the amount of pellets that we give them because apparently it can give them um, bladder stones and things like that. Um, they also have quite a lot of grass and trees and things like that around that they, they tend to, um, you know, snack on all day. So, yeah.
0: Mm. And, Tenille, with grooming, what requirements do goats have for grooming? Um, oh, there's a lot of different breeds of goats. So uh, I'm not
3: sure um, on breed-specific grooming. I could imagine that it would be sort of, you know, dependent on what breed you had. But uh, mine at the moment are shedding now that it's getting into um, the hotter months. So I stripped out all their coat uh, on the weekend. Um, So just using a lot of uh, brushes that I use on the the dogs, actually, and some rakes and things like that. but I guess it would depend on on how long your goat's coat was, as to how much grooming that you needed to do.
0: And with their hooves, do you have to do anything with their hooves or anything like that? Yeah,
3: uh, because the are on soft ground or grass. Um, I do tend to find that we do have to keep them trimmed. So my goats are fairly like small, a small breed um, of goat. So. I'm able to do it just with some secateurs, and I just keep on top of it and, um, you know, do it as often as it needs. Ours is probably... I just trim a little bit off probably about every month um, just so that they don't get long.
0: And for health requirements, do they need vaccinating like dogs and cats and to see their vets?
3: Yes, so ours are vaccinated. Um, I did find out that not every vet treats goats, so uh, ours go to... Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say what vet it is, but they go to a special vet um, because not every vet does goats, uh, and they have to get worms every month as well.
0: Right, okay. And so do you think they're a fun pet to have? I think they're an excellent pet to have. I know that I've had a few people bring goats into dog overboard and it's been really funny they've come in to have a bath and another client of mine brought a um, <laughs> brought a lead and a, a gentle lead a head harness yeah. and a splitter to walk her goats around the verge so there are yeah. a few in uh, in the
1: suburbs <laughs> in Newcastle
0: but I, yeah do, does a lot of people use them for
2: milk
3: as well or not Hmm. I'm no? not sure. Yeah, I, I would imagine so because you can get things like goat cheese and goat milk. But mm-hmm. um, my my two goats are both male. Yes, both you insects, wouldn't be. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure. Okay.
0: But yeah, I think with with milking goats you have to do it twice a day, so that becomes pretty labour intensive.
2: Oh, so right, to demand type, yeah. you have to
1: have a baby goat. Yeah.
0: Then, yeah. yeah, yeah, Yes. Oh, how does that work again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, to Thank you so much for enlightening us about um, Barry and Butler and um, and keeping them happy and healthy. And maybe some people with a little bit of property might be interested in um, looking into mm. keeping a goat. So thank you. Yeah, definitely. But Dr. Kimberly Earle, you've you've um, shocked me today.
1: You've come in and said we're talking about what you can catch from your pet so are you talking about a common cold uh no no common cold um but there's lots of different things that we can actually get and transmit back and forth between our pets and ourselves um and it really depends on the pet that you have of what sort of things you're at risk of so we'll start with the basic things so parasites are the real basic things right we're talking fleas worms roundworms hookworms yep hydatids if you're in a farming sort of area so some of the things that we do as veterinarians and and looking after the health of your pets is to prevent human disease as well as pet disease so it's really really important that we're worming our dogs and our cats on a really regular basis particularly if we're feeding raw um, meat or offal or things like that Um, but because we can be given diseases from them And particularly if you have kids, so, um, you know, you've got little kids, they're not always perfect about washing their hands before they put their hands in their mouth. They're playing with your dog. There's a disease called visceral larval migraines, which comes from them. Um, getting the roundworm of a dog roundworm into their body and that can actually go and migrate through their body tissues or or in the ocular form it can go into the eye and cause blindness so worming your dog particularly if you have kids but anybody on a regular basis is really important to prevent the dog from getting worms which can cause the dog to become unwell but it's also important because those worms those worm eggs will be shed in the dog or cat's feces and they can get into the humans in the neighborhood so that's really important Mm. okay yes um one that people aren't maybe as aware of is So people who have pet birds should be aware of uh, psittacosis or in in the birds the disease is called chlamydia, chlamydia psittocyte and in humans the disease is called psittacosis. So this is a bacterial infection that uh, is very common. It's common in our wild birds as well um, but in our pet birds particularly budgies, cockatiels, some of our um, little princess parrots, things like that. um, In birds it shows up as a respiratory tract illness. It can be a long low-grade simmering infection and, and a lot of times it can lie dormant in them for sometimes months, weeks to months before it comes out in them. So I've actually seen birds that have had no exposure to other birds for greater than two years who have then come out with um, chlamydia infection oh okay and that can be transmitted through um, through feather dander through fecal um, exposure aerosol exposure through um, respiratory secretions can be transmitted to people Um, now usually it's just going to cause flu-like symptoms in people that maybe don't resolve in a normal period of time three to four days but there have been cases of people who have died from this infection Mm, so it's really important if you're a bird owner you don't need to rush right out and you know get yourself tested. But if you've got birds, um, and your birds, particularly if the birds aren't 100%, um, and then you're not 100%, it is worthwhile going up to your doctor and saying, you know, I've got birds. Um, you know, do I need to be tested for acidicosis? Um Most of the time, they're going to just treat you with antibiotics, antibiotics after they've done a test to confirm you have it, and it's treatable. But it's something everybody should be aware of. And it's one of the reasons that even healthy pet birds should be coming into a veterinarian every year to have a health check. So we can just look for some of those subtle signs that they might have low-grade chronic respiratory illness. It's really important. Um, what else do we get? Q-fever is one. This is a, a hot topic at the moment. Q-fever is a disease that comes from a little... Um, uh... organism um, used to be just seen with farmers and veterinarians and things like that because you get it from um, fetal fluids when um, cows or horses are, are birthing or, or mm-hmm. goats and things like that uh, but it's actually been identified now from in dogs and cats. Oh um, so this
2: one I haven't heard about. Yeah
1: so this is really important if you're somebody who's having puppies or you're a breeder at home um, back in the good old days you know when we were, when we were seeing um, dogs that were having puppies if you had a slow starting puppy you'd give them a little mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Um, it's really really important that we you are not doing that at all anymore ah. because Q fever can get into you, into humans. Um, it lasts for months and it can actually predispose people or, or bring on chronic fatigue syndrome, which in some cases lasts for years. And it oh. can cause, you know, fevers, headaches, joint pain, lethargy, um, arthritis, those sorts of things. So it's really, really important. All of our veterinary staff, most vet hospitals now will have their staff vaccinated against it. So if we're having to do an emergency prob- you know, procedure, emergency C-section on um, on a dog that's having problem giving birth, uh, we've protected our staff. But we also take a lot more care than we used to. And there certainly have been cases in Australia of whole practices coming down, vet hospitals coming down with Q fever on oh, numbers geez. of people because they weren't aware of it initially. Because we didn't think it was uh, a problem in dogs and cats. And does it have is. to just ride out once you get it? You can't treat yeah, that? no real treatment for it. Just yeah. treating There's no the symptoms. real treatment for it. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. So here's another one. Do you feed your dog um, raw meat, raw bones, things yeah, like from that? Time to time. Yeah, Yeah, this is a really Australian cultural um, thing. Most other countries in the world, people don't feed raw meat very often. There's, it's a little bit um, in vogue to do it. But from a general standpoint, most other countries in the world, you know, dogs eat dog food. They don't eat a lot of raw meat and bones. There is definitely some um, studies and some evidence showing that in households where the dogs eat a lot of bones or eat raw meat, those dogs can carry salmonella now the dogs may not have any problems with the salmonella organisms but the people in their household are much more likely to come up with salmonella gastroenteritis so this is like food poisoning based on salmonella Ah. um and so it's really important i always counsel people um you know particularly if you've got anyone in the house with chronic illness they're going under chemotherapy or um, hiv aids or they just have a chronic immune deficiency those dogs should not be getting you know meaty bones they shouldn't be getting raw food um it's a whole different situation, but our, our practice is actually um, anti, anti-bones for, for a number of reasons. But it is one of the things to be um, on the lookout for because you may not be aware of it. Um, How long it can, can they carry it for? Long time. Okay. Long time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, what about Toxoplasma? Does everybody know about Toxoplasma? This is the, the organism that um, your doctor, if you're pregnant, says now good news for you you get to make your husband do all the cat cleaning cleaning up all the cat yes. litter boxes yes. right? so toxoplasma is a zoonotic it's a protozoan disease um, it is carried by cats but that's not the only way it's not, it's not um, in fact it's not the main way that people get it the main way people get it is from eating meat that's undercooked so when you're pregnant the other thing they sort of tell you is to mm. make sure you're not eating raw steaks and things sure. like that toxoplasma is an organism that um, is typically shed in feces of kittens that have picked it up it's shed from for a very short period of time it's about a three week period of time and then they sort of get over it and they're not shedding it anymore um however if you have a lot of cats in your neighborhood and you like to do a lot of gardening one of the reasons we say wear gardening gloves is because you can potentially pick up toxoplasma on your hands all of these things most of them are fecal oral sort of contamination right so really good hand washing hygiene is going to save you in most cases anyway but um toxoplasma is important because if you get it in your pregnant lady um and you get it while you're pregnant it can cause some really severe fetal defects so Mm. your baby can be injured so um you don't have to be worried about cleaning cat litter boxes i when i got pregnant i was tested um to see if i have a positive antibody titer to toxoplasmosis and i'm not i don't i'm not positive so despite all my handling of sick cats and kittens and things like that i've never come in contact with it i'm not a big gardener so i don't get it that way um But it has to be, as long as you're cleaning the litter boxes uh, regularly, ideally twice a day, so morning and night, um, the organism has to sporulate. It It has to sort of go through a development stage once it's been passed in the cat's feces before it becomes infective. And that takes 24 hours. So as long as you're cleaning your litter boxes every day, um, then that's not going to be a a problem for you anyhow. And just really good um, hand hygiene. Most of the things that we can get from our pets... Uh, in Australia, and we are lucky in Australia, there's a lot of things that we don't have that other um, countries, other regions of the world do have. But most of the things that we have, if we partake in regular worming practices, sometimes vaccination, health checks for your pets, so you've got healthy pets, and then normal hand hygiene, cleaning bird cages on a regular basis, washing your hands after you've patted your dog, those sorts of things, most of the diseases that you can get from your pet are going to be preventable. It's
2: really interesting, though, Kimberly. Definitely mm-hmm. some food for thought. Obviously, a lot of the common ones we know about—you yeah. know, the the worming, the the ticks, the fleas, all the yep. rest of it. But it's yeah, interesting
1: when it gets that deeper level. Yeah. You think, wow, okay. And and remember that having pets, there's some really good proven health benefits to having pets too. We just need to be sensible about it um, and make sure that we're sort of well informed about. You know, if you if you've never had a pet before, um, when you're taking them to your local vet, you know, go and ask what kind of things should I be on the lookout for. What's the the uh- um, you think lots of people with young families with children—they're getting family pets. Yes, and, and particularly when you've got feral children that try to lick the dog <laughs> yeah, on a regular right. basis. That's right. Mm. So yeah, so it's just one of those things. If you've got questions, concerns, um, you know, I absolutely am a proponent of having family pets around. They're really good for your kids. They're really good for your families, and um, but you want to be, you know, safe about it too, and be on the on the safe side. So
0: now, Dr.
2: Kimberly Earle, we're talking about um, diseases that we can catch from our pets. Mm-hmm.
1: But we didn't have a look at Ringworm. No, we didn't. We we skipped over ringworm. Um, So ringworm, most people know, is a a fungal infection. It's not actually a worm at all. They call it that because you get these little red raised um, sort of lesions all over your skin. They look a little bit um, like the edges have a little worm or something in them. Um, Most commonly, ringworm comes from kittens. And so particularly kittens that are maybe not in the best of um, health, but it is a contagious disease. So, you know, if a kitten's been exposed to it and their immune system isn't very robust, they'll pick it up. Ringworm can be passed from kittens to dogs. to humans, it can actually be passed from humans to dogs and kittens. Um, uh, we've been recently, or in the last 12 months, we had a client who works in a childcare centre, and the child at the childcare centre had ringworm, and she brought it home to on herself, ah. and her dog subsequently got really, really bad case of ah, ringworm right. because of that. So, um, so ringworm is a fungal; it's a it's a, a fungal infection. Um, the good news about it is it's typically considered self-limiting, which means over time it will go away. Your immune system system. system will mount a a response and it will go away, but it is quite contagious and you get these little dry, scurfy bits of skin that come off and your cat and dog do too, and those Bits stay contagious for a long time so we do usually recommend people go and see their doctor get a, their vet to treat their pet and they go and see their doctor we're usually going to put some creams we often do medicated washes and things like that to try to get it under control faster and so we haven't got those infective particles going all through the house because
2: i was going to say how do you go as vets because um i know that my sister-in-law has picked mm-hmm. it up before just through you know working with animals and yeah kittens and... yeah
1: it does happen we're pretty good you know if i see something that looks ringwormish i'm going to put gloves on straight away just to protect Myself as well. Um, I've never had ringworm, so I've been really fortunate lately, um, or in the last few decades. Yeah, so yeah, lucky. so it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And it is time to look
2: at our dog of the week. Now this week we're looking at Woof. Let me introduce you to Woof. You can check him out at 2nurfm.com our website. Head to more. Then Dog of the Week, and he's a beautiful boy, uh, a four-and-a-half-year-old border collie cross wolfhound, very affectionate, and he is looking for someone that's got a lot of love to give. He's a very, very sweet boy. He loves playing with the ball, having a nap in the sun. Uh, he's toilet trained, and if he is inside and needs to go, he'll go and, and uh, whine at the door until you let him out to do his business. So that's a win. That's half the battle, isn't it, Cheryl, as Absolutely. you would know, <laughs> with your puppy, puppy at the training morning with Avalon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a very obedient boy he knows how to sit, stay, lay down, roll over, back up, come, drop, shake um and bed. So that's pretty that's pretty, mm, pretty impressive. Yep. Yeah. Um he loves spending time with his foster carer inside curled up on the couch, so he can be a bit of a couch potato as well as long as he's getting his exercise obviously. Um so he'd be best suited as an only dog as he can be a bit unsure with other dogs especially puppies. So probably one that you'd have just as him mm-hmm. but he's beautiful there's a video of him and he's doing some of his tricks in it once again too. to URFm.com and all the details are there now kimberly speaking of our website you can always jump on and send us an email in if you can't get to the phone during pet chat That's right. um and emma has done that from toronto and she said that um she got an infection in her hand from her cat wants some information about why what
1: that could be yeah. and what to do so cats are an interesting one um we can get a cat scratch. Fever, or we can get cat bite abscesses, and can get, get quite sick from having a bite from a cat. Cats' mouths—I um, think everybody has knows the old wives' tale people sort of say that cats have dirty mouths and dogs have clean mouths. Um, it's not quite that cut and dry. Dogs have plenty of bacteria and germs on their on their teeth as well, but cats actually have some really nasty bugs on their um, in their mouth and on their teeth. That if you get a bite, um, it's really really important you go straight away to a, a you know a doctor and get treated for it. Um, it's certainly a workplace health and. Safety issue in a vet hospital, any staff member that gets a cat bite um, they rinse and wash their hands with a surgical scrub and then we send them pretty well straight away um, to go and get a script for antibiotics because yeah, in some nice. cases people die from from the infections oh, wow. that they get. you can get blood poisoning um, you can die from the infections you get from a, a cat bite, so most of the time you 'll just get an abscess. But um, you know you can get you can get quite sick from it. Even um, cats. So there's an actual disease called cat scratch fever, where um, some cats will carry a particular organism called Bartonella henselae, and that can cause quite a severe um, infection just from a scratch. They get it underneath their nails, climbing around litter boxes, things like that. Um, so if you get scratched by a cat and it's blowing up red and you know nasty on your hand, um, I wouldn't let it go more than a couple of days. Make sure you've cleaned it out really, really well. If mm-hmm. it ever happens, same with dogs. If you do get bit by a dog, it's always worthwhile really, really scrubbing it out really well, um, watching it very very closely for any signs of infection, swelling, and having it seen by a vet. Um, sometimes you'll even get a tetanus shot, that sort of thing. So um, seen by a vet? Did you say? Sorry, seen, seen by, by a doctor. To no, I don't. I don't. Seen by a doctor? do you do that now? No, Seen by a doctor. Um, my mind's That's alright, yeah. most of your, your patients mm. are animals They are, <laughs> yes, all of my patients are animals If you get a bite from one of my patients Please go and be a patient yourself at a doctor uh, yeah.
2: Very good <laughs> advice Dr. Kimberly Earle, Cheryl mm. Shaw Beautiful having mm. you in as always Thank, Thank you. you We've got the news up next And of course Pet Chat back same time next week
0: Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM At the University of Newcastle